If there were an understatement of uh, all time, it would be the statement that we hear in the gospel today. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. It would win the understatement of the year, right? 40 days, 40 nights, that's a uh, long, long time. And it's interesting, uh, there's a lot that could be drawn out from that line. And, and why did Jesus go down that path? Why did he allow himself to be weak? You should see, friends, there's no wasted lines in the gospel. There's no like throwaway, uh, just happenstance uh, words that the evangelists just wanted to write down. Uh, they weren't like the 18th century or 19th century writers in the newspapers that got paid by the word. Um, they're not trying to fill up some parchment or something like that. No, every word that they wrote down is divinely inspired. They wrote just what the Spirit inspired them to write and and nothing more while being true authors. And one of the things that's fascinating because of that is you read through the Gospels and you read them over and over again, um, yet new things kind of pop out. And one of those new things for me over the course of a year or so, uh, roughly, has been just being fascinated by all of the times that the gospel writers talk about where Jesus is. Where is he in uh, kind of the setting? Um, and so uh, it, it's, it's actually really interesting. In the first chapter of uh, the gospel according to St. John, John one thirty nine, I think it is, uh, the disciples ask Jesus... Uh, where are you staying? Where are you remaining? Where are you, basically? Right? And Jesus is a powerful invitation for them. He says, come and see. Come and see where I am. And the gospel writers give us the opportunity to see where Jesus is every time they kind of give us the setting. And it's important to pay attention to that because everything that Jesus did was on purpose. None of it was unintentional and all of it's for our salvation. He invites us to contemplate his entire life. So the question before us today, and as we go through Lent a little bit, is where's Jesus? And today, where is Jesus in the gospel? Where is he? In the desert, right? Now, it's probable, if you, if you think about uh, that word desert there in, in, the, in the gospel, some of the, the kind of biblical scholars think that that might have been close to the Dead Sea. So if you, uh, if, if you go to Jerusalem, Jerusalem is on a mountain, quote-unquote. It's not a very big mountain, but it is up, right? And to go down to the Dead Sea, you go down quite a bit, and uh, it's one of the lowest places in the world, right? It's it's this barren kind of wasteland, um, very little water that's useful, uh, all of those types of things, And, and you see Jesus goes there. He goes to a very low place, He makes himself weak by fasting. He's been fortified and strengthened by hearing those words of his father spoken over him right before he goes out into the desert. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And he goes into the desert to do battle. To be tempted. Why? To enter... This is is why, friends to enter into our human experience so as to strengthen us in our temptations. 
See, Jesus resisted and so can we. He was fully human and he was thus able to be tempted. And his tempta- the temptations he experiences in the gospel today are far superior to anything that we will ever experience. He enters into the battle of temptation then in order to conquer that we might know that we might also conquer when we are united with him. His example strengthens us in three ways that I want to talk about today. Right? He first warns us of temptation by this example. Then he shows us how to, to, to fight it in the moment and to prepare for it. And then he also fills us with confidence that we have one who knows what it is to be tempted in all things and not sin. So Jesus first warns us, right? Like if Jesus, who is the Son of God, the holiest man who ever walked the earth, the holiest person to ever walked the earth, is tempted, we're kidding ourselves if we think that by becoming holy, we'll become exempt from temptations, the temptations will somehow uh, evaporate. In fact, it might be the opposite in a certain sense, right? As we strive to become holier, we may become more aware, actually, of the temptations that, are, that we're facing. The, del- the devil delights in, uh, off- in corrupting the best. Temptations can be to lower carnal things or to the highest forms of spiritual pride. The, te- the temptation from the evil one doesn't stop but we start to actually pay attention and it's not the same for each one of us right it's but it's based on um, but according to the inclination of the person it's common that we have something or some circumstance or some set of uh, circumstances that can lead us into sin and Jesus he enters into temptation today to warn us that that's coming Right? To make it really clear that that's part of our human experience and that we shouldn't be surprised by it. And then he gives us, the second thing, he gives us an example to follow, a way of resisting the devil. If in Christ we have been tempted, says St. Augustine, in him we've overcome the devil. Do you think, brothers and sisters, of only Christ's temptation but fail to think of the fact that he was victorious? See yourself tempted in him. And see yourself as victorious in him. He could have kept the devil from himself, but if he weren't tempted, he couldn't teach you how to triumph over temptation. So how does Jesus, what's the, what the, the plan of attack that Jesus shows us, or the plan of defense that Jesus shows us? So the first thing, and this is so evident from the way the Lord responds to every temptation in the gospel today, is you resist from the first You don't parlay or talk with the devil, right? Jesus responds instantly to that temptation. And friends, it's so easy for us to kind of say, well, I'll kind of give that a thought. I'll like go down that path a little bit, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to sin, right? No, 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 no. If there's a temptation and we know and we recognize it, we gently but firmly Turn away from sin. And friends, the Lord invites us to use every means, right? Both supernatural and natural at our disposal to avoid sin. So Jesus went into the, uh, into the desert and he fasted. And he teaches us to be able to fast in order to resist 
uh, temptations. So uh, another thing that he invites us to is ordinary prudence, right? Uh, we use every means to resist the devil's temptations. Um, put very simply, uh, this means avoiding the occasion for sin. And what that means, just kind of like as a, a little bit of a comical example, is if you don't want to eat chips, you don't go down the chip aisle at HEB. <laughs> right? If you don't want ice cream, you don't go stare at ice cream at HEB. Right, friends, if every time you have your phone in your pocket and you go into a private place, there's a temptation to use that to look at something that's not good, stop taking your phone into that private place. If every time, if you struggle with generosity, make a plan now. Make a plan for how you're going to be generous. If you struggle to love people, especially those people that we talked about last week, the enemies, right? Intentionally seek to do the person that has hurt you good by praying for them. Right? This is, it's not easy, but it's real simple in, in a certain way. Avoiding the occasion of sin uh, is, is sometimes that simple. And uh, friends, in order to do that, we also want to fill our minds with that which is good and true and beautiful, right? Uh, Jesus is able in, uh, in, in, in this temptation to show us that we need to be uh, steeped in Scripture, right? And he shows us that those things are helpful in combating the wiles of the evil one. They help us to turn away from sin, to turn away from that temptation. And... Um, so those are scripture and prayer, right? That's the supernatural means for avoiding temptation. And it's interesting, right? So often we think that uh, we have to have like an extraordinary uh, thing to avoid sin. Whereas God is giving us all the grace we need and he's giving us what we need in prudence to avoid sin. Right? We can't abandon the ordinary means to call in the name of the Lord, which we should do and every time that we're tempted, presumes an attitude of repentance and humility, and to call upon the name of the Lord, but then to disobey God's instructions in the common sphere is absurd. God wants us to use our reason, enlightened by his grace, to fight temptation. Now, as you do that, it might get harder before it gets easier, right? Jesus' temptations, they're actually increasing in severity, if you notice that. Only the man who stands firmly against the wind feels the full strength of the wind. And so the fear of temptation um, is, is not really felt as strongly when it's not resisted. Um, you can think of, for example, the, the story of um, the Israelites in Egypt. When they start to resist making bricks, Pharaoh like doubles down on them. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 6, I think. Or five, I can't remember. Somewhere in there, you can go get out your Bible. Go, that's your homework this week. Um, and he invites, or the Lord invites us to continue to push back. Right? Is that difficult? Yeah, it is. I'm not going to make any bones about it. Is it going to require some suffering sometimes? Yes, but is it worth it? Yes. You see, Jesus, he 
he warns us of temptation. He gives us a plan for temptation. And then he fills us with confidence that we have one who's with us at all times who knows what it is like to be tempted. Namely, that he himself is with us in these moments. Probably the greatest temptation that most of us will face in our lives is to think that we'll... um, that God has somehow abandoned us in the moment of our temptations. The evil one tempts us to think, as he did our first parents, that God has, is holding something back from us and that we'll die if we don't give in to the temptation he sets before our eyes. He tempts us to believe that God has abandoned us. Now, friends, hear what I say really clearly here. It's so important to recognize that our feelings are important, right? It's part of our our human experience. But they don't necessarily reflect reality all the time. They always reflect our perception of reality, and so we should pay attention to them. They're important. But they don't always reflect reality. Feeling close or far from God Feeling joy or sorrow is not an indication of your holiness or of its lack, right? The measure of holiness is charity, is whether we're willing to will the good of others. St. Augustine uh, says that for, for one who's going on the path of, uh, t- towards heaven, our pilgrimage on earth can't be exempt from trial, We progress by means of trial. No one knows himself except through that trial or receives a crown except after victory or strives except against an enemy or temptation. The one who cries from the ends of the earth is in anguish. And that's what sometimes it feels like when we're in uh, in that moment of temptation, but is never left on his own. Is never left on his own. Friends, On the cross, Jesus shows us this. As he cries out to his father, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He knows what it is to feel that way. To feel isolated and abandoned. To feel like you're going to die. The Lord is not a stranger to to the temptation to think that God has abandoned us. But hear the end of that psalm. Right? which ends with praise of God for the generations that will come after the psalmist, for the fact that God is good and fulfills his promises. See, God never abandons us. And that's why Jesus was tempted today. He shows us that he's there in the darkest, most challenging moments of your life. You are not alone. He is with you strengthening you, warning you of the danger, showing you how to resist, and above all, suffering with you. The question is, will you trust him? Will you go to him? Will you ask him for help? Will you turn to him and know that he's there? Now friends, if you want to, you can do that right now. He's present and he desires to help you turn away from things that lead you to sin. And I want to invite us all to pray right now. Um, to pray that the Lord would remove those things uh, from our lives which are occasions for sin for us. 
This is something you can do on your own. I'm just going to start us off with a little prayer and then we'll take about 30 seconds. And in that 30 seconds of silence, I want, you to, I want to invite you to ask Jesus to take away the things that cause you to sin regularly. To cry out in your heart and trust that with him you can conquer. So let's pray. Jesus, we come before you right now in this moment and we thank you for all that you've given us. Especially thank you for leading us and teaching us and coming and being with us. Lord, in this moment, we call to mind those things which um, do not lead us to you. And we ask that you would remove those things in our lives, that you would help us to conquer with you, to recognize that you're with us. So now we offer you these things. Jesus, as we now receive you in the Eucharist in a few moments, we ask that you would help us to recognize that you are with us, present always, and that you give us, united with you, the ability to conquer over every sin in our lives. Amen.